For our first message today, we have a split sermon from Mr. Art Williams entitled, The Missing Link. Mr. Williams. Thank you, Reggie. The Missing Link is usually associated with evolution, but we're not going to be talking about evolution today. It'll become obvious here in a minute. Um, through the scriptures, we're instructed to watch, watch yourselves to see that we're in compliance with the teachings of Jesus, watch others that they don't deceive us, and watch for the end times so we're not taken unawares because we're <clears throat> warned that it could, the end time is going to be so good and so tricky it could deceive us. Well, how and why could that be? Well, one of the possibilities is because the beliefs that will be espoused will be in accordance with scriptures but it will be an incorrect understanding of the scriptures and the implementation uh, will be carnal. One of the undisclosed events in the end time is a missing link. And that is what will link the political beast with the religious beast. For most of my life, I've always assumed it was religion, politics, military, but I recently read an article entitled The Common Good. Anybody remember reading that article? The Common Good, anybody recall that? Okay, good. Then, then I don't have to edit my message as I go along here. It'll all be new. Um, it referenced another article. And the, that other article is actually the focus of my message. And I'll give you the title of that a little later. And the article is about ecology on the earth and the destructive path man is traveling. And in reviewing the article, it reminded me of the articles we had years ago in the Plain Truth magazine. That was the magazine of our parent organization, the Worldwide Church of God. Say in, in the 1960s, say 1960 through 1978, there were numerous articles on the subject. Um, the path man is going down and the destruction of the Earth's ecology re resulting in man's inability to survive on the planet. Now, I'm not addressing whether that's valid or not. That's not my intention here. But I'm going to reference this article, which was, in my opinion, probably the most comprehensive and the most exhaustive article I've ever read on ecology and man's path and what it could lead to. It's 90 pages long and seven chapters. It covers all aspects of ecology, all the issues, the entitles, entitlements, the actions, the forces, the combined results of the destruction to the ecology. It goes through water, air, soil, oceans, global warming, microorganisms, algaes, sickness, uh, sea life, it, on and on it goes. It is very exhaustive. It is an excellent article with what it says and how it backs it up. This includes the governments of the world, the transnational corporations that are some more politically and financially powerful than some countries. It goes through technology, profits, wealth, influence, moral values, ethics, the tools that many look to for helping with this problem, what has been done, what hasn't been done, and what is required in turn to turn this around so that this self-destructive path of, that mankind is on will be averted. <clears throat> I want to go through that article. And if you read this article, I tell you, and I'm going to put the title up on the screen later, you will be impressed with it. You have to be. But there is a difference. The conclusion <clears throat> that the 
Plain Truth magazine came up with back in the 60s through 1978 is different from the conclusion that this expert came up with. And I'm going to point out some deficiencies, if you will, or some concerns in this document, even as good as it is. And it, it, it is very good. He starts out, and I'm not going to review the whole thing. I just picked out selected paragraphs to review. Uh, the ecology concern is a tragic consequence of unchecked human activity. The most extraordinary scientific advances and abilities and astonishing economic growth, unless accompanied by authentic social and moral progress, will definitely turn against man. Efforts to protect and improve our world entail profound changes in lifestyle, models of procurement and consumption, and the established structure of power, which today govern, governs societies. Keep that little st statement regarding in the change in power. Keep that in mind. The urgent challenge is to protect our common home, and that's the term that he uses for the earth, includes a concern to bring the whole human family together. Another phrase to keep in mind. To seek a sustainable and integral development, for we know things can change. And both of those statements and I, that I just highlighted, I think, are true. Observation number one. Um, well, let's come back to observation number one a little later. Let's continue with the article here. Efforts to seek concrete solutions have proven ineffective, not only because of powerful opposition, but because of a general lack of interest. We require a new and universal solidarity. There's a notion around the world that there are no indisputable truths, that is absolute truths, to guide our lives. And human freedom is unlimited. The ethics and morals behind government and transnational corporations' decisions is questionable because they're often based solely upon financial calculations, costs, benefits, and profits to the corporations or the government. The environment can't be adequately safeguarded or promoted by market forces. Technologies linked to business interests is presented as the only way of solving these problems, but in fact prove incapable of seeing the network of relations between things. So sometimes solving one problem only to create another. Our education is inadequate and ineffectual. We need a new way of thinking about ourselves, life, society, in our relationship with nature. Observation uh, number two on this latest section here, he, he mentioned the aspect of absolute truth. Well, there is absolute truth that guide our lives and in the scriptures, and he's saying that the ethics and morals uh, are not following by those, those rules, if you will. But he references, we require a new universal solidarity, the whole human family together, and an established structure, a new established structure of power. Apparently, he thinks that somehow this new power structure will be immune to 
the ethics and morals that are currently in society. They're immune to the misuse of technology or the misuse of education. One of the things, if this is to come about, where he, where he talks about the solidarity of the world, is nationalism and patriotism. The definition of a nationalist, a person that strongly identifies with their own nation and vigorously supports the interests thereof to the exclusion or detriment of the interests of other nations. And a patriot is a person that, there's the word again, vigorously supports their country and is prepared to defend it against enemies or detractors. <clears throat> Continuing in the article, we lack leadership capable of striking out on new paths to meet needs of present concerns for all without prejudice toward the coming generation. The establishment of a legal framework Keep that one in mind. The establishment of a legal framework which can set clear boundaries and ensure protection of the ecosystem has become indispensable. Otherwise, the new power structure based on the techno-economic paradigm may overwhelm not only our politics, but also our freedom and justice. It is remarkable how weak the international political response has been. The failure of global summits on the environment make it plain that our politics are subject to technology and finance. Special interests and economic interests trump common good and manipulating information so that their own plans will not be affected. The alliance between economy and technology ends up sidelining anything unrelated to its own immediate interests. The earth has been given to the whole human race for the sustenance of all its members without excluding or favoring anyone. In, indeed, there is a legitimate, legitimate right to private property, but also there is always a social mortgage on all private property. Did you know that? If you own a house, that there's a social mortgage on that? You know, it's an interesting comment because it could be that sometime in the future there may be a law of that sort that says if you on your property are not in compliance with the laws of the common good, they'll take your property. There needs to be, continuing in the article, enforceable international agreements are urgently needed. The 21st century maintenance system of governance inherited from the past is witnessing a weakening of power of national states. Given this situation, it is essential to devise strong and more effective, efficient, organized international institutions with functionaries who are appointed fairly by agreement among national governments and empowered to impose sanctions. There again, what makes these men who are fairly appointed and empowered to offer sanctions and enforce international agreements be above the misuse of their power. He made the statement that there is no, there should be without excluding or favoring anyone. Well, we know from scriptures 
Israel is blessed among, among the nations and will be ultimately head and shoulders and the leader in the millennium. And those that come out of the day of the Lord will carry children. This is in Isaiah, the latter part, 66, 65, 68. They will carry children on their shoulders and bring them to those and say, God has loved you, not us. And give them back their children. So the idea that there must be without favoring anyone is not a scriptural policy or statement. Continuing in the article, he comes back to the statement again. For, there, for all this, there is an urgent need of a true world political authority. Again, you have problems with nationalism and patriotism there. Continuing, given the real potential for a misuse of human ability, one authoritative source of oversight and coordination is the law, which lays down the rules for admissible conduct. I kind of jumped ahead of myself, but here we go again with the misuse of power. Uh, one authoritative source. You know, there's a scripture that says every man is right in his own eyes. Continuing in the article, the assessment of the environmental impact of business ventures and projects demands transparent political process. Remember that statement, we'll come back to it. Involving a free exchange of views. On the other hand, the forms of corruption while concealing the environmental impact of a given project in exchange for favors usually produce specious agreements which fail to inform adequately or allow full, for full debate. Continuing, in the face of possible risks to the environment which may affect the common good now and in the future. Decisions must be made based upon a comparison of the risks and benefits foreseen for the various possible alternatives. Does that make sense? You're going to see some variables in front of you and you're going to, pair, you're going to evaluate the risks versus the benefits. The next paragraph, he says, where there are threats of serious irreversible damage, the lack of full scientific certainty should not be used as a pretext for postponing cost-effective measures which prevent environmental degradation. How is one supposed to know the full impact of the serious danger if you don't do a comparison of risks and benefits that he mentioned in the fourth previous paragraph? You see how he's, he's disclaiming his own statement? He's saying you don't have to have full scientific certainty. You don't have to evaluate the risks and the risk and benefits foreseen for the alternatives. If it's a risk to the environment, don't worry about that. Do something now. No, if he only means like putting a tourniquet on a bleeding wound, that's understandable. But he doesn't express it in that phrase. This completes the review of the article as far as I want to go with it. And there's up on the screen right now the source of this article. It's encyclical Laudato Si 2015 by Pope Francis. 
He's the first Jesu Jesuit priest from the Americas. He's the first pope outside of Europe since Gregory III of the 8th century. And it is interesting that the pope leaves his world of religion and places himself into a leadership role in the ecology addressing problems, causes, and solutions. The difference between this article and the plain truth article is that this article places the solutions in the hands of men. Men that have the same human nature that this article criticizes. The plain truth years ago always ended with the conclusion that only the government of God on earth can solve these problems righteously, effectively, and justly. In the article, I did not review the religious side of it, the last four or five pages where he goes through the sacramental signs, the Eucharist, Sunday, Trinity, and the Queen of Creation. The overall response to this article since 2015 has been a mixed bag by the nations. The most positive response came from Poland, where both government and trade unions responded. And some of the most interesting comments were from individuals. And it, the interesting part is they exceeded the context of what the Pope said. There were several of them on the global warming issue. And I'm not coming down on either side of it. I think we all know all the arguments, pro and con. That if everybody would keep Sunday as a day of rest, the global warming problem would be cured. That was a statement that was made by numerous people in response to the Pope's article. One of the things that was unique about Adolf Hitler's ability in leadership was he had a fanatical following. He didn't have to give commands for each and every aspect of what he wanted done. All he did is say, this is bad. We need to exterminate this, or we need to eliminate this. And he let his fanatic followers go out and do it, however they wanted to. Is it possible that someday in the future, people may be killed for not observing Sunday because they are not keeping with the laws of global warming? But is it really global warming? Is it really global warming? Or is it perhaps God turning up the heat? In Isaiah 24, 6, it says, Therefore a curse devours the earth, and its inhabitants suffer for their guilt. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are scorched, and few men are left. We get more detail on that in Revelation 16, 8, and 9. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were scorched by the fierce heat, and they cursed the name of God, who had power over these plagues, and they did not repent 
and give him glory. It seems in reading those two scriptures, it would be almost just desserts for mankind that becomes fanatical over global warming and starts killing people to have the heat turned up on them and have no way, no resolution, no solution of being able to stop it. But in the end, he clarifies it. And everything comes out all right, Isaiah 58:11. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. The response by individuals was interesting because, like I already said, it went beyond what the Pope said. It falls into that category where people would react on their own because of the leadership that they are looking to. The missing link, the link between the political piece and the religious piece, it could be ecology. The beast, the ten kings, and the false prophet. The trigger could be events such as Yellowstone erupting. Frightening possibilities. But the interesting part was to dig a little bit further because of the the statement made about transparency and politics. Some of the problems within the Vatican right now. I used to I used to go to the Vatican website and the Jerusalem Post for news. And about 20 years ago, I realized I'm not getting anything from it. It's all just sophistry. Right now, problems within the Vatican, and these contributed to Benedict's step down, by the way. Sexual impropriety by priests, alternative lifestyles, power blocks being set up in the court, in the educational system, and, the, and the, there's a split between what the European Catholics believe and what the American Catholics believe. And in handling all of these issues, and there's plenty of articles out there on it, the Vatican has demonstrated the same actions they criticize other for. It fails to adhere to the moral platitudes espoused in the article by Pope Francis. Matthew 23, 27, and 28, Jesus speaking. He says, Woe to you, Pharisees and hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful. I'm reading from the ESV, by the way. But within are full of dead people's bones and uncleanness. So you are outwardly, you appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. He gives a warning to the elect speaking to the disciples in Matthew 24, 9 through 13. And they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake, the name of Jesus Christ, why you'll be hated. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. I know that's, I, I take that as a threat to myself. I fall into that category. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. 
Matthew 24, 24, false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as lead astray, if possible, even the elect. The false religion at the end time is going to be very, very good. When it comes down, it's going to be articles, issues that are popular of the day. Satan in 2 Corinthians 11 through 14 presents himself as an angel of light. And the beast speaks as a dragon in Revelation 13:11. Then I saw another beast rising up out of the outer out of the earth and it had two horns like a lamb and it spoke like a dragon. You know, when I, say, when I see the word dragon, I think of what I envisioned a dragon as as a child. You know, it's kind of like a dino, this huge dinosaur creature and every time it opens its mouth, this big flame comes out and devours the caveman or whatever happens in front of it. But Strong's number 1404 for dragon, it says a fabulous kind of serpent perhaps as supposed to fascination. It fascinates. Its speech fascinates. It doesn't threaten. It sounds more like the serpent before Eve in the garden. I'm sure you all know that the Vatican is, is not just the head of the Catholic Church. It is a city-state with ambassadors and emissaries. The current ambassador from the U.S. is Karlista Ginrich, the wife of Newt. Pope Francis is 83. He was born in Argentina. And his original name was Jorge Mario Bergoglio. And when Pope Benedict resigned, he did so because he felt he was more of an educator. And he didn't feel confident in dealing with the issues that were before him. We didn't really know how to handle them. So he advocated, and he was the first pope to advocate in many, many years. They usually die in office. But he didn't go away. He's still there in the Vatican. And there is currently quite a battle going on between him and Pope Francis. Pope Francis is a Jesuit, which means he's like the naval, Navy SEALs. The Jesuit is like the Navy SEALs are to the Navy. They're the cream of the crop. They're the best trained, best educated. Pope Francis, in dealing with the alternative lifestyles and the power block there, made a statement that, well, we can't call it marriage because the Bible says marriage is between a man and a woman. We'll call them civil unions. And he blesses them. If you read the article, The Common Good, which is in the New Horizons magazine. The last page. It's volume 24, number one, January, February, 2010. He gives a summary of it. And his conclusion is that this could very well work into the scheme for the end time. But all the good things that 
we need to do to protect the ecology could very well be the link between these political forces and these governmental forces, bringing, uh, triggered by some major earth-threatening event. So we need to be aware, and I think I hadn't really paid too much attention to what's going on with the papacy in many years, to be honest with you, because it all just seems to be so much gobbledygook. But there are articles out there. There's an article in uh, Vanity Fair magazine, very good, where the Vatican's just like our government. You know, you got all these insiders who are going out there, there all these people giving off leaks. He sat down and had a had a, uh, a talk with with one of the men there, and they had dinner and what have you. And this unnamed middle echelon member of the Vatican Curia stated, and I will quote him, this place floats on a sea of bitchery. Quite a statement for some middle member of the Vatican Curia to make. But I think it's indicative of the political infighting that's going on right now between Pope Francis the liberal and ex-Pope Francis the conservative. I would encourage you to read the article The Common Good in New Horizons magazine. I would encourage you to uh, read the 90-page article. Pull it apart. Because I only pulled out a little bit. I have limited time here. And it's, it's intriguing because it, it really fits exactly the, the kind of thing that man will do. You know, George Bush, when he was president, he had a television interview. And they asked him, should America have a dictator? And I don't remember the first part of his response. It was something like, probably not. But then he continued, and the last part of his statement was, but if we do have one, I'm the only man that should be it. Isn't that the typical thinking? Probably the typical thinking when Pope Francis wrote this article.